You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. going on, everybody? This is BGM Radio, episode number 164. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowden of BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from Philly Voice, and we have a special guest for this episode. It's Dan Klausner, former Philadelphia Eagles intern and current director of sales and business development for RighteousFelon.com. Gentlemen, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Jimmy. I know <laughs> Brandon wanted to go first. <laughs> Appreciate you guys having me on. Did you say I'm part of this? I don't know. I did, yes. No, no, no. You're the, you're the guest. I mentioned okay. you first. I wasn't even listening. Um, <laughs> good start here on BGN Radio episode, uh, what was it? I, I forget that. 164. Too. 164. Really, really honored to have Dan on here. Not only, you know, a like direct representative from Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which you obviously can get by going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Now, Dan, you basically might as well do the ad read later in the show. But um, but yeah, also honored to have Dan on because of his workings with the Eagles and his interactions. Is that fair to say? You've interacted with Howie Roseman before, right? Yeah, I've been in his office. Uh, we even have emailed. Uh, I got to, you know, I know he's demonized a lot and I certainly hope he never reads any of my tweets. But uh, he is he's, he's at least like a really solid dude. Uh, gave me the time of day. At a point where I thought I might, you know, want to have a similar career path. So I got nothing but um, good things to say on that end. Um, strictly, you know, divorcing the personal from the uh, professional, current professional opinion. So what year were you there again? 2013. It was the Chip Kelly. Okay. Year, the first year. Chip Kelly year. For some reason, I thought it was yeah. the last one. So you got to see his actual office, not the one that, not the bunker that they sent him off <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah. I got okay. to see his office, the one that he probably still maintains now. Uh, yeah, the GM office. The one that faces the practice field. Correct. Yep. Okay. It's a nice balcony. Oh, yes. yes. All right. So, a lot to get to. The Eagles fired their head coach. Well, I <laughs> want to talk about uh, James Harden first and the Flyers. Uh, yeah. The season now. Yeah, really get into that, uh, the hot <laughs> topics. Um, Jimmy, I'm looking at your show sheet here. I mean, let's just get into it. There's a lot to talk to uh, talk about on this episode, obviously. Uh, Doug Peterson fired. Was it the right call? Dan? Jimmy. Um, Dan, lead us oh, off. Okay. You, guys are, you guys are so polite. Let the guests go first. Uh, it's, a tough, it's a tough question because, like, yeah, if, if, if he really only wanted to hire or promote Press Taylor and Matt Burke or Corey Undlin and make no other changes to his staff, then I don't really, you know, it, he was just going to get fired in a year anyway uh, because things were going to be terrible again. Uh, but at the same time, it's just, you know, he has been scapegoated for for the failures of a, a you know, of a dysfunctional organization. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it kind of just feels like a culmination of five years of 
jerking this guy around and you know it's a like it's nuanced like anything else in life but uh did he deserve to get fired jeffrey laurie said he didn't but you know it's hard to it's hard to side with him if those were his his decisions for coaching and and how he thought the team was going to get fixed um so yeah there's my non-answer answer for you yeah, but I think that's the right one. Like, like if you wanted to promote Press Taylor to offensive coordinator, when, I mean, you look at what Press Taylor did last year, he was the quarterback's coach, and we saw uh, the starting quarterback have a historic regression. And then he's, his other title was passing game coordinator, and the Eagles' passing offense, like their running game was fine. Their passing offense was, if not the worst, only – slightly better than the Jets this season. So, I mean, he failed on both of those levels pretty drastically. So there was, I mean, there's no way that they could have sold the idea of promoting Press Taylor to offensive coordinator. And if that was, I mean, the problem with Doug from a picking his coaching staff standpoint is that he has only ever coached either for the Eagles or under Andy Reid. So Anyone that he's ever worked with, the Eagles already know that those people very well. So he wasn't going to bring anything to the table uh, in terms of like some kind of inspired idea for bringing aboard assistance to his staff. Um, and I mean, it's not a strength of his and they kind of know that uh, if he was just kind of uh, banging the table and saying, <laughs> you know, this is my guy. And if you don't like it, then fire me. And maybe that's what happened, but uh, certainly they could not go into the season with his suggestions of Press Taylor as the offensive coordinator and Corey Unlin as the defensive coordinator. So Speaking proposed- of Press Taylor, hold on. Happy birthday. Happy 33rd birthday today. <laughs> uh, the, the proposed changes obviously weren't very inspiring. Um, I think everyone agrees on that. With that said, I think I can understand where Doug's coming from, though. I mean, he had changes forced on him last year, yeah. and that didn't work out so well either. So, like, I get it. And also, he should feel like he deserves clout. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. Like, he should he should get some say. He should have power, in theory. I thought the Eagles should have done one of two things, and that was either smoke the pack, as we talked about in last week's episode, mm-hmm. kind of like keep Doug and Howie, give him one last year, see how it plays out, or clean house and get rid of both. I The half measure of getting rid of Doug and not maybe in terms of words saying that he deserved to be fired, uh, like Larry said, uh, but in terms of action, putting the blame on everything that's gone wrong for this team on him, uh, that doesn't sit well with me. And I think that's pretty pathetic. Um, I think it's pathetic how they leaked out those uh, proposed changes to kind of grease the skids for fan reaction. Oh, and they certainly did that too. Oh, yeah. Of course. Well, who else knew? Who would else? Who else knows that? Like, who else <laughs> right. knows of the conversations? So, well, they also. Uh, I mean, they needed to hear have the fan base hear why they yes. fired him, and so that the right. fan base could digest that and go, "Oh, yeah. Well, he had to go." That's what we're doing yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Was, so uh, it Mike, I don't know if you guys saw, but Mike Lombardi, who I know it's yeah, like a curse word, but he talked about how that's like. NFL PR black ops or something. It's like what the Eagles did is kind of putting out that, that information to grease the skids and how, yeah, it's dirty pool, but every organization does it because they know they have to win the fan PR game. So, so So what does it mean? Yeah. Looking forward, what, you know, what does that mean for, uh, I mean, the big, the the big thing coming out of the Doug firing is, is what's going to happen now with Carson Wentz. Um, It was reported by, 
Chris Mortensen and Tim McManus, uh, or I think maybe I think that was only just Mort that uh, there was a fracture between the relationship with Doug and Carson. So with uh, Doug now gone, I mean logically, <laughs> Carson Wentz is more likely uh, to be on the team in 2021. Um, how do you guys see it in terms of, we'll get to like what we think they should do, but what do you think they will do? I don't know. It kind of feels pretty disastrous. Like I was all ready for, for Doug yet yeah, for me to like be riding with Doug trade Wentz have, you know, take your medicine this year, have cap space to kind of reset in 2022. But now it kind of feels like, you know, their main objective with whoever this new coach is going to be like, we already have this franchise quarterback who you have to fix, by the way, and we're going to, yeah, you get two years to do it because, you know, if they guarantee his money this year, they're going to keep him again for next year. So, I don't know, it feels like even bleaker now um, about that situation. <laughs> it does. Right? Like, it, it's, I at least kind of felt good about, like, thinking, I think they do need to move on from one, see what they can get for him, clear that caps, kind of get out from under it before they have to, you know, assume all that money or all that cap space and kind of just, hit that reset button before it actually starts. But now it seems like they actually just, you know, like they're going to make this a two year process instead of a one year of kind of ripping off this bandaid. So, um, yeah, I, I'm sure they'll, you know, the new coach, they'll have input and he'll be able to, you know, he'll be able to kind of give his decision on what he wants to do. But I think a big part of that is going to be like, Hey, we need you to fix this guy who we've paid $60 million and committed the whole franchise to Brandon. I don't think the decision to fire Doug came down to Carson versus Doug. Uh, but I also don't think it's totally irrelevant. When you look at the timeline of that report that came out on Saturday originally that Doug would be back, and then the per- Sunday that Doug, or Wentz wanted out and wanted to be traded, and then the report from Rob Motti about how like Wentz is actually taking his time to consider it, and all of a sudden uh, catch wind later in the week that Doug is actually going to be fired, and all of a sudden on the day that Doug gets fired, after he gets fired, it comes out that Wentz is like there's a you know increased chance that he wants to be back now. So I don't I don't think it was irrelevant. I don't think, you know, Wentz wanted to be here if Doug was here. Now, I also don't know that the Eagles are really basing everything moving forward about Wentz because when you look at the tone of these press conferences we've heard with with Howie putting even like the hand comment aside like a finger or whatever he said about like I can't imagine being, you know, detached from Carson Wentz. But I mean, I thought Jeffrey Lurie was less effusive of Carson Wentz. Uh, in his presser, uh, not closing the door in the possibility, but I just, I don't know, like a hundred percent chance that Wentz is back. Um, I, I would think the organization wants to try to fix him, um, especially if a new head coach comes in and really believes in him. But I just, I just think it's so naive. I really think it's very, I've been saying it for a while. It's very naive to think that Carson Wentz, you just bring in a new coach and that fixes everything. I think he needs to prove to be coachable. I think he needs to fix himself in a lot of ways. When you look at how Josh Allen got better in the off season, it was because he put a, like a lot of work into like realizing he needed to fix his mechanics and everything. And I just don't know like where Carson Wentz is at with that. Did you see the Damo thing? The thing that uh, Paul Domowich of the Inquirer put out about uh, Troy, Aikman. Troy Aikman going on, uh, I believe it was Michael, Michael Irvin's podcast in which uh, Aikman said he talked to Doug and he framed like what he said as sort of his own opinion after having talked to Doug, but he said that uh, uh, Laurie Laurie essentially wanted Wentz to stay and uh, Doug wanted to move forward with Jalen Hurts. So I thought that was interesting. Um, 
and also from just from Lurie's perspective, and we've talked about, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast or if I've just written it, but uh, I've definitely written it. But like, if you're Jeffrey Lurie, you've already paid Carson Wentz $56 million over the last year and a half cash. So when we talk about like sunk cost and, you know, what he's going to count against the cap um, and, you know, the, the troubles in, in that regard and, you know, what's the cap situation going to be in 2021 and 2022 and so on. And none of us have put about any actual cash to Carson Wentz. When you pay a guy $56 million, it's a lot harder to, to think in terms of quote unquote sunk cost uh, as it is when it's not actually your money. So, uh, there was one point during Jeffrey Lurie's uh, uh, press conference, and we'll get to this later, but um, just mention it now because it's relevant, where Jeffrey Lurie said, that's not a decision that an owner should ever make, you know, in terms of, will Carson Wentz, Tim McManus, I believe, was the one who asked uh, just flat out, well, is Carson Wentz going to be your quarterback? Will he be on the team in uh, 2021? And he said, that's not a decision an owner should make. Which is just a pile of crap. Like, of course, <laughs> Jeffrey Lurie is going to make that decision. Like, he's going to be the primary person that makes that decision. Or at least they're going to have to go through him to get the okay uh, to trade him or do whatever they're going to do with him. So uh, that's a load of crap, obviously. But uh, I did think that that uh, Troy Aikman thing uh, was sort of interesting in that uh, he, he cited that as uh, the reason for them parting ways more so than uh, Doug Peterson's choice of offensive and defensive coordinators. And I, I was going to say, I thought, you know, with Laurie talking, you know, not using the R word for like rebuild, but retool and kind of talking about needing to accumulate picks and talent. Uh, I mean, who on the roster could get you the most picks, you know? Yeah. And in, in turn, clear cap space. I mean, yeah. if that's, you know, he's, he's your best trade. He referred to him as an asset too. He's your best trade ship too. If you are really going to be going in with this rebuild and trying to accumulate as many draft picks and get as many bites at the uh, draft apple uh, as possible. So it's another, I think it's another way to kind of look at it too. He said, he's an asset several Multiple times, times yeah. <laughs> during that press conference, which yeah. is kind of a funny thing to do, like talking. I mean, we do that as fans and, and whatever, but like when you're actually talking about people and you're the owner of the team, like not a word you should probably use. Where's the, uh, <laughs> well, where's the emotional intelligence, Jeff? Um, <laughs> so what what would we do at the quarterback position? Uh, like you know, dovetailing off what we're talking about with Wentz. I'm still of the mind, ideally, that – yeah, I think I'd still like to trade him just because, like, I don't want to commit to Carson Wentz for two more years. Yeah, that's the decision. It's zero years or two more years. I don't want to go two more years. I don't. I don't. I don't believe that's the path to go down, especially if it's going to be a rebuild. Truly, then yeah, like Dan said, what could get you the most assets? Does Carson Wentz's timeline even make sense for this team? Like, if they're going to go into a rebuild, because like, how long is it going to take to quote unquote fix him if that's even possible? Um, I'm still of the mind that. Carson Wentz should be traded, uh, and then you move forward with Hertz. It's not like you're committing to him as the guy, but like he's kind of here, so you're going to see what you can do with him. And then I guess you have to draft someone. I don't. There's no good answer here, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, how, what would you do in terms? Like, if you were to choose a combo of um, keeper trade Wentz, you already said you trade him, but also keeper trade Hertz and either draft or don't draft a quarterback, specifically with your sixth overall pick, what would your combo of those three things be? I don't know what you mean. What do you, what so, do you mean? okay, so you have, you have to make a, a decision on each of those three things. So 
One, keeper trade Wentz. Two, keeper trade Hurts. Three, draft or don't draft a quarterback with the sixth overall pick. I would say trade Wentz. Mm-hmm. I would say keep Hurts. And it kind of it depends how the board shakes out at six, but I'd be open to drafting a quarterback. Okay. Dan? Yeah, I agree with that. It all, like anything else, it all depends on who's there at six. I mean, hey, the players you want might get taken before, and then, you know, then all of a sudden <laughs> you can't draft anybody who's good. You know, you have to. Not okay. You know, I I think I'm I'm of the opinion that I really think you need to press the hard. Re- I know Jeffrey Lurie wants to consider Wentz as Peyton Manning or Big Ben, who, by the way, in their fourth fourth, fourth or fifth years did have. <laughs> I went back and looked at did it. You, did you look that up? I did, I did, yeah. Okay. I think I think Big Ben had like 16 touchdowns and 14 picks, and and uh, Peyton had 20 something, 23 touchdowns and like 17 interceptions. Don't quote me on anything, but he was right because obviously they looked it up to like in desperation of seeing like, oh my god, has this ever happened to any young stud <laughs> yes. quarterback before? But like again, exception versus rule, and it's just like hope is not a strategy, as as they like to say, and. Uh, it's just really hard. I think you have to, you know, you've got to make a really hard decision here about whether you're going to rip the bandaid off and look two, three years down the road, or if you're kind of, you know, if you're really going to try to make this work for the next two years when your situation cap wise, talent wise, it's, I mean, I think you have a very, very low likelihood of making it work. You know, what's funny about the, him bringing up Manning and Roethlisberger is that even though Roethlisberger is still playing, it's it was still kind of a different era of football like oh, earlier yeah. in his career when he was in four, when he was in his fourth or fifth year like Lurie <laughs> even said during his press conference that i think even i think it was even during the opening i'm not sure but he said um uh this was a year where like it was record breaking in terms of offensive production and he cited that they didn't call offensive holding anymore. They didn't call offensive pass interference anymore. So you're just getting away with anything you wanted to do as a receiver or an offensive lineman. And that, you know, led to crazy numbers, you know, league wide, but it obviously did not uh, for, for the Eagles in any way. So like the idea that like he just kind of cherry picked uh, those two quarterbacks from, I mean, what's that like 15 years ago for roughly 15 years ago for maybe a little less for Ben Roethlisberger. And I don't know, would you do what, what, what with Manning? Like we, well, he was drafted what? Like two, I guess that would have been. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. He was drafted pre McNabb. So he was drafted in 98. Okay. So yeah, yeah it would have been roughly 2002 then. So like oddly different era of football. Uh, it's not that far away, but it's funny that he cherry picked those two guys when the reality is like, that's not really happening in the modern NFL where quarterbacks are having this, I mean, and not even just a regression, but just one of the worst regressions in, in NFL history that Wentz had this past off season. Or this so what would season. you do? What would you do? Can you yeah. So I would, tra- I would trade Wentz. Like you mentioned, and I'll just quickly mention it here again. If you commit, like if you keep him this year, you're committing to, to 2022. And I'll just go through the, uh, the, I guess the, the dynamics of that. Like, so they have the, uh, his guaranteed salary in this year this year like they're they're they they can trade that away but they also have a 10 million dollar uh bonus that he's doing the third day of the league year so if they get to that point in the uh off season where they have to pay that bonus that bonus also triggers a guaranteed salary in 2022 i think of like 24 million dollars so if they pay that bonus like they're locked into him in 2022 
And, you know, if he plays well in 2021, then you're fine with it. But if he doesn't play well in 2021, then nobody's going to trade for him at that point. Like, you're not getting anything for him if he has two consecutive bad seasons. So it really is kind of risky. It's riskier to keep him, in my opinion, than it is to trade him. Because if you trade him, I mean, if he's good somewhere else, then whatever. Who cares? Like, it's, it's, it's not like, it's not your, like, it's not your team. So what do you care? But you're going to get assets back in return uh, if you trade them. Ideally, maybe you get like a two in 2022 that can become a one. Like if the trading team makes the playoffs plus Wentz starts X number of games or something like that. And then you tack on some kind of like mid-level pick in 2021. I think that's a deal that could maybe make sense. But I think if you can get that, you do it and you just get them off your books for 2022 and you move on. Yeah, it's a year early rather than a year late, I think. Yes. Too. Really got to make that move. So why don't we take a break here and we'll get into Jeffrey Larry's press conference after this. But Dan, <laughs> first, I want you to tell me about Right to Sell and Craft Jerky. Oh, man. I don't even know anything about this company. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, BGN Radio is brought to you by Right to Sell and Craft Jerky. Eat the meat snacks that your Philadelphia Eagles do. Or don't if you really hated this season, I guess. But you can support a local business. Um, you know, we're based out in Westchester. We locally source uh, our, our beef from uh, Northern Maryland, actually Baltimore County. So we're, we're Ravens fans, not Eagles fans. But uh, yeah, we've been around since 2012. Um, I joined the business in 2017. Um, and actually, I know, I, Brendan, it's been cool that you've been. Uh, Talking about like the other snacks that we have um, that aren't righteous felon. So we uh, we also act as a distributor for um, you know other small uh, specialty snack brands. But um, I run that side of the business. It's the side of the business that I that I've built up and I maintain in addition to my uh, my responsibilities with righteous felon, working with distributors and and reps across the country, different supermarkets. Um, and uh, you know it's been pretty cool. At least like for me, full circle. We work with. Um, a lot of sports teams providing snacks for the players uh, in all four pro sports leagues. We work with um, luxury uh, hotels, kind of remaking their mini bars or universities. Uh, Pre-COVID, we work with a lot of office build buildings, so like your Googles and Facebooks and Yelps of the world. So, uh, so yeah. But uh, but anyway, the jerky itself, um, you know, we're based out in Westchester. Top quality Black Angus uh, beef. We manufacture locally as well. It's about a 200 mile loop between sourcing manufacturing and warehousing and um you know we try to have fun with the brand pay homage to pop culture don't take ourselves so seriously and uh you know as brandon likes to say elevate uh the meat snack game and uh, we just actually came out with biltong i don't know if you guys know what biltong is but it's uh air-dried beef it's like uh it's a south african form of jerky so think about like really thin beef almost like pastrami cut but there's no sugar and it's basically like double the protein too so it's pretty cool we have Three new ones. There's Darth Garlic, Anchovia, and Nelson Mandela, which is a garlic dill one. So there's my pitch. What uh, was the first one? Uh, Darth Garlic. Okay. I, there's really nothing else to do. Uh, it was originally like Dark Garlic. And I said, that's stu- super lame. Why don't you just call it Darth Garlic or something? And that's that stuck. So that's part of the legacy. But uh, but yeah, definitely don't go and buy it on Amazon and leave us a five star review. Definitely don't do that. So um, anyway, that that's it. You guys can go to go to break. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just say you go to rightsellin.com and use discount yeah. code B fifteen for fifteen percent off. Uh, oh, Jimmy? yeah, and I want to. Oh, that actually reminds me. Um, 
you know, it's it's been pretty cool. When I brought this uh, idea up to Brandon, we've talked about it in years past, but um, he was nice enough to do it. Um, we paid him handsomely for it, so you know, it's not completely altruistic. But uh, the BGN fifteen discount code has resulted in actually over ten thousand dollars worth of uh, of orders on our site, which is um, which is really cool. Um, been a huge success. Really appreciate all the support. Got a lot of multiple buyers. You're like you know, multi time buyers too, like our boy Rich Bobby. Also, shout out Evan Calico. Uh, or yeah, kill a cow on Twitter. I know I see that he uh, orders a bunch too. So really appreciate everybody's support. Um, and uh, I hope you found a new favorite meat snack brand in the process. Jimmy back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience, because is it really a vacation? If you're just sitting around like you would at home, you need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN radio episode 164 uh hopefully you're still with us after dan <laughs> gave the spiel about I paid, I paid for that spot. it was important to know it's important look the listeners deserve <laughs> to hear from the source now let's get into jeffrey Lurie's press conference because jimmy described it here in the show notes as a <laughs> quote, disaster throughout <laughs> well there okay so i do have one bullet point like the positive points that he made and uh the one positive, I have, I, I came up with one thing, and that's that he that the team is committed to the long term and the medium term, which they don't really have any other choice. Like they kind of have to. They like I guess they could run it back in theory with what they have and just continue to kick the can down the road. But uh, I think they finally see after a four eleven and one uh, season that it's time to you know it's 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 time to not move forward with these guys anymore. And uh, commit to the long term as opposed to the short term. They've kind of said that in the past before, where they want to make a lot yeah, of picks. they want to make draft picks in bulk, and then they just didn't do it. They wound up like making ten picks over two years, which was the lowest number of picks uh, in the NFL in what would that have been twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen? And like they, so it was just the, the exact opposite of what they said. We'll see if they actually commit to that. But that was the one positive takeaway that I took from the uh, Lori press conference. Did you take anything else away from that press conference? That was good. Or was it all just, did you agree? Otherwise it was a complete disaster. But do you agree with it? That that's a positive too, by the way. I don't agree. It's a positive until we see it happen. They have <laughs> said the same messaging. Maybe yeah. to maybe not to this extent you could argue, but like, I'm just not going to believe it until I see it. <laughs> yeah. I, he did I, say I, it repeatedly throughout. I just don't think they have much choice at this point. With, <laughs> right. With, with the, corner they've paid them themselves into like even if they wanted to i mean i guess they can can keep restructure i don't know like details and stuff i'm sure they could keep restructuring and do some cat magic but like 
what are you doing it for? So you can extend more 30 plus year old players who are on the back nine of their career. And just so that you can pay them more as they're breaking down. And then five years after they've broken down and are no longer on the team. I mean, it's just, you know, it's the Cowboys stuff that we always used to ridicule them for forever. And they've become that version of the Cowboys and they're going to, you know, meet the same, they've kind of met the same demise and, and I, it's it's hard to divorce the sentimentality and what you feel like trying to win again with these players and this core with a number of Eagles Hall of Famers. But, like, you know, these are also supposed to be cold, hard businessmen who have made hard business decisions in the past. And, you know, I think that this – I got to give credit to a lot of Philly beat writers, too, who kind of saw this – not just Brand, Brandon or anything, who kind of saw this disaster season coming – didn't want to kind of lean fully into it, but that was kind of the undertone, even in training, like leading up to training camp throughout training camp. It was just like the bottoms. It's like, you know, they got lucky the last two years being in terrible divisions. They were five and seven. It's not like the process was good. They, and just like the bottom's going to fall out. It's a very precarious situation. And it did. And I think that, you know, at least Jeffrey Laurie understood it because I mean, there's, there's only so much delusion and denial you can, you can do like, you know, he's watching the same thing we are. So, um, and he sees what the book's like. He's got to see what the, what the talent on the roster is like. And yet, you know, you're just, you're looking at either hitting reset and having a chance maybe in two or three years or trying to make this thing work and really screwing yourself maybe for four or five years. You know, they're actually worse off than the Cowboys were when they were kicking so the can down the road repeatedly. Yeah. Like, they at least had an out. They they had to, they had to cut like a bunch of good players just to get back under the cap. Like they, Demarcus Ware being one of them. Uh, the Eagles can't even do that. Like they're they're actually you're going to see some restructures coming down the pat coming down the pike. In like late February ish, they're going to restructure older players that they shouldn't be. It's going to look weird when they do it, but they don't have a choice because they have to kick some of the money from 2021 into 2022. So you're going to see see guys like. Brandon Graham, for example, Darius Slay get these restructured deals where they're committing to them for like two, three years down the line because they really don't have a choice. They have to do it just to get back under the cap. So they're even worse off than the Cowboys in that the Cowboys could at least cut some players and not have to continue to wreck your cap, not only in in, in the Eagles case 2021, but even further down the line. Um, So anyway, let's move on. The absurd (laughs) moments from this press conference. And let's just start with the most important one, and I'll let Brandon uh, take it away here. But there was no accountability whatsoever for Howie Roseman, like at all, like not even a hint of like a Lori acknowledging that he's done a bad job over the last three years. Back when uh, Doug Peterson was hired at his press conference in 2016, and there was question over the time, you know, what Howie's role was going to be because he was coming back into personnel at the time. Larry talked about like personnel being like the highest, or I will hold, you know, the personnel people like to the highest. Uh, standard accountability, the most important thing. And just none, no, none, not even the smidge for Howie Roseman. It is totally pathetic. It's so uninspiring. Um, that is a huge issue. I think why the press conference felt so bad. I, um, I honestly just felt like I was listening to Howie Roseman's press conference from last week all over again. It's like the same talking. Point. Yes, they were. They were. The, 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 the article right, I right off the bat. Sorry to cut, right, like the first thing we'll, we'll get to this in a minute, but the first thing he said was, the like the Alshon Jeffrey drop away from being in the oh NFC Championship, God. which is basically what Howie. By the way, they're throwing Alshon under the bus by saying that repeatedly. Yeah. But like Howie just said the same. Like, and I wrote an article on it. Like, stop gaslighting fans about like this nonsense that they're good. Last anyway, continue on, Brandon. 
Well, hold on. Uh, hold on. Brees was going to try. Even if they did score, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there, was, there was over a minute, more than over a minute left. Drew Brees was going to try. been carving them up the whole game. Of course, he was going to drive down for an easy field goal, just like we lost to the, the, you know, to the Saints in that Chip Kelly game in the playoffs. Like, it's just, it's, I don't know, man. That, yeah, still another 20 yards to go if he makes that catch. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no yeah, guarantee exactly. that he's going to score. And it was the first yeah, time I they mean, moved the ball since the second drive of the game. It's it's just nuts. It's totally despicable. <laughs> anyway, continue on with the uh, no accountability. Ability. Uh, no, no accountability, accountability Brandon. There you go. No ability. And, uh, it's just it's just like so discouraging. It's it really is because and it, specifically when we're talking about like this team not being honest with themselves and how they've evaluated themselves. Like I think that's such a big issue. Like they now. You can say, and and this whole idea too of the window and everything that oh, I, I just hate that so much. Like oh, this was our window, we had to maximize it, and it didn't work out. That's not what happened. Like, <laughs> right? They, they made bad moves, regardless of the window. The moves were bad, and it's it wasn't about the focus of the moves that made the moves bad. It was the moves themselves that they made were bad. Like, and and then this this nonsense, like defending Howie Roseman's draft record by saying that. You know, oh, there were good players, you know, ahead of just weren't available, couldn't get them. But like, how could you say that as a main point of defense right after you pass on Justin Jefferson? Like, he was there, you could have taken him. DK, DK Metcalf was on the board, you could have taken him. Like, there were, there they were traded good up players. For Dillard. They, they traded up for Dillard. <laughs> yeah, and he's bad. At least, you know, we're not encouraged about him. So it's just like, it's such they, a. They could have had Hollywood oh, Brown instead of Dillard. It's so weak. It's, it's so weak. Yeah, it's it's really weak from him. And this idea, too, that like – and again, this is another talking point that we've heard how we say or heard how we say like that it matters so much that they have had GMs hired from their building. Joe Douglas, <laughs> Andrew Berry, who was literally here for less than a whole calendar year, right. a whole, less than 365 days, um, is insane. Larry talking about how they have five future GMs in the building is a quote that I'm sure will not haunt him at all. Their GM right, factory right. now. You get those guys in the field, see if they can play. Well, yeah, it's just, it's so, it's just like, it makes me not want to care about the Eagles. It really does because it's like, they're not even a team. Uh, it's not like they're the Eagles. It's like they're the Howie Roseman show or the, Je- really, it's, I think, honestly, the biggest takeaway from that press conference is that we all probably haven't been hard enough on Jeffrey Lurie. Yes. Yeah, he put himself in the line of fire. And to piggyback off your point, where uh, like all the people in the building that they've surrounded, how he surrounds himself with like really smart people, and Joe Douglas got hired away, and Andrew Berry got hired away. You know who cares about that? Literally nobody. Like the fans couldn't care less. And Les Bowen had such a great question later in the press conference where he basically said, "Well, uh, who cares who you have in the building when you're." your drafts are terrible and your free agent signings are terrible. Like, does it, does it matter who you have in the building if, if that's the case? And uh, uh, Lurie's answer to that was oh, basically to compare, like, you know, you got to compare, you got to compare what, what we've, what we've done in the draft to other teams. Uh, and like you mentioned Seattle for some, like you started to mention Seattle, you, like you started to like trash Seattle's whatever. I don't know if he was going draft or free agency or whatever there. And then he kind of stopped. Like he just, he said, you got to compare them to, uh, you know what? Everyone's done that already. Like everyone's, there's been tons of people that have written comparison things about like the Eagles versus other teams in the draft or the Eagles versus other thing, other teams in free agency. And there's no question about it that the Eagles have been horrible the last three years in both free agency and the draft. 
was really the, the, the question by Les was like, Les is, Les is like the king of like those kinds of questions <laughs> where he, he basically just makes a statement. Like, remember, like, did you, I'm sure you both saw the video of like yep. Chris Long and Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson had like a horrible game in, uh, I think it was his. I think it was like his third, second or third start against the yeah. Chiefs, and Justin Houston just wrecked him in that game. And uh, he like imitated Les, and, like shaking his head the way Les does when he asks a question. And he's been like he's he's miming, like putting the recorder up in his face. And uh, Lane goes, uh, "Yeah, Les says, uh, so uh, you had a bad game, huh?" <laughs> and uh, it was a great impression but that's what that's what les is great at he just tells he just tells you what he thinks and then he's like so what do you think about that (laughs) hey at least he frames it in a question he did yes (laughs) so dan dan you know you like having the familiarity with howie like and and the inner workings (laughs) of the building like like, what's your insight to this? How, how are you feeling about all First off, super overstated that I would have any understanding of the dynamics here. I I met Howie two or three times, talked to him, you know, and emailed a little bit back and forth. I'm not going to profess that I have any understanding of Zoom calls with him. No, like nothing like that. Um, <laughs> but I just, the way that I see it is that you know, for Howie too, I mean, Jeffrey Lurie's might as well be a God, to be honest with you, to him. I mean, he gave him his dream job when nobody else would, shepherded him through the franchise and has given him the, you know, his personnel and in building a team, the highest position of power. And, you know, if Howie were to leave the organization, maybe he gets hired as a GM somewhere else, but he's never going to have that same kind of relationship with an owner. I mean, that'll never happen again. So you better believe that for someone like him, he'll do whatever is necessary to appease Jeffrey, stay in his good graces and, you know, do what he thinks, you know, be a steward of the franchise for, for him. And, you know, and I think it's just like that's a very pervasive influence that someone can have over you, too. And I think he like reveres him, too, as a father figure, anything like that, you know, like a mentor, father figure, somebody who, you know, and Domo even talked about it in his article about how Jeffrey helped out. Uh, how his wife, when she got caught up in the uh, in the Madoff or like in, in the financial crisis, right? Like, so I th- it just goes so far beyond football. Um, that like a really strong personal connection that you can't, you know, just like even us judging it from the outside and kind of just having it be like really black and white about the job that he's done. It's just there's so much gray when it comes to the personal aspect of it, and uh, you know, it's going to frustrate us forever, but. As you know, it's very easy to think that, you know, just from seeing all this and kind of having it crystallized that however long Jeffrey Lurie's owner of the Eagles, Howie Roseman's probably going to be your GM or your executive vice president or somebody who's in like, you know, who's his right hand man right there with him. He's like a, you know, like the prism through which Jeffrey Lurie's vision rains down upon the organization and how they um, make decisions. And yeah, he's yeah, not I, in the hot seat. Is 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 no, for sure. not at all. Not even close. No. Yeah, and you would but think it, that he would be hiring a his third coach, being on his fourth coach, but I, <laughs> it, it, which is completely it's unprecedented. It's it's just nonsensical, but he's not. And I think you're just going to have this merry-go-round until maybe it pops into Jeffrey Lurie's mind, like, oh, who's the one constant throughout all this? You know, and um, but I don't know, man, it's it's just it's I think it's beyond explanation or, you know, anything that's like a rational analysis for us. So, 
you know, we're not in that process. We don't see the process of evaluating the players and, you know, how it all goes down and the things that they want to do that they couldn't do uh, or who has, you know, input that how he follows and, you know, but it's, it's super discouraging. Is yeah, really, they're, really, they're very good at shielding that. Like, yeah. and, and, and like, so during Howie's press conference, like uh, a week or two ago, I asked him something to the effect of like, um, with the assumption, or at least from an outsider perspective, like we like you're kind of seen as being on the hot seat, um, and will Jeffrey Lurie allow you to operate the team in sort of a, a long term way when you know when there's examples of head coaches and GMs um, you know making short term decisions because they think they're on the hot seat, and his answer was like pretty telling because he said like. I'm not worried about my job. <laughs> and uh, he, the way he, after he said it, the way he sort of then framed it was that like, he, like it's not his decision to make whether he keeps his job or not. But I think the, like the actual first part of that answer where he just said, I'm not worried about my job was really the, the reality of the situation and, and actually is what he meant when he answered that. And then he kind of changed his answer mid course. But clearly, as you mentioned, like he is not going anywhere uh, anytime soon, no matter how poorly he he continues to perform. Maybe he has an ownership yeah. equity stake already. Who knows? Oh my god, <laughs> that's like the nightmare. I mean, he might as well. I mean, in terms of like functionally, like I, I think you're absolutely right, Dan. And actually, I want to give Howard Roseman credit for something. He's done a very good job of like building this relationship. Yes. Obviously making himself invulnerable and invincible. He, <laughs> he deserves credit for it's that. A very, it's, a, it's a it's a big-time skill for him, for sure. It is. And, and I think, you know, Howie is not useless. He is smooth when it comes to this kind of stuff. So, And I think that's manifested itself in the past in terms of really good trades he's made and, and things. like like So you know, I'm not trying to, to totally demonize Howie here, which is a, a very uh, strange <laughs> course of action for me because I usually do. But... Um, yeah, I think, though, to go back to the negative, it's so hard for me to almost even care about this Eagles coaching search because it's just I feel like this franchise is ultimately spinning its wheel. It's cyclical, as uh, Marty Bornweg, I think, used to say. Uh, it's really just like what level of confidence are you going to have that Howie Roseman is going to be, first of all, to be able to attract the right guy because that's been an issue in the past, Ben McAdoo. Um, who they who they couldn't even hire and had to settle for Doug. And it's like, who are they going to hire now? Like, who are they really going to be able to attract here? And then also, what level of confidence do you have that that guy's going to last? And it's not going to be the same thing in a few years down the road where there's another, another power struggle. Because every time Howard Roseman has been involved here as general manager, there's always been a power struggle, basically. It's like, Larry chose uh, Howie over Andy. Larry chose Howie over Chip, ultimately. Larry chose... Howie over Doug. Like, how do you come in as the next head coach and feel good about that? Like, like I just I think it's such a dangerous dynamic uh, in that sense. And I think it's it's I don't think it's good to have a GM who's just the extension of the owner. Like, just have a yes man, really. Um, I don't think that's good for the health of the franchise. All right. So, what else can we get to here before we go to break uh, from that press? Oh, new new talking point: the final four teams in the 2017 playoffs oh, are all bad now. <laughs> And by those four teams we're talking about, and he also included Atlanta in that too, who made the Super Bowl the, the year before. But the final four teams the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl were, of course, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Patriots, and the Jaguars, and they're all bad now. So this point is correct. 
like all four of those teams are are certainly bad now, but like that's not a reason for you know your franchise. That's not that's not an excuse for your franchise to be bad. Like right, oh, and the Patriots won another Super Bowl after that, by the way. <laughs> right, also true. Yes, uh, Jaguars have certainly been horrible uh, since then. Vikings. They're certainly in better shape than the oh, Eagles really? are right now. Uh, so at that point, was a little bit ridiculous. And then you have um, uh, lesser uh, gripe here, but he said cap space. Actually, this is a very condescending quote. Oh. <laughs> cap room is a one-year phenomena in this league. Anyone who really understands the cap knows that you can transition away from a difficult cap situation in about 12 months, end quote. First of all, it's not even right. Like, in 2022, they have – I think there's only one team that has more money committed to that cap than the Eagles. And, they, and they're going to have more because there was the report where uh, Alshon Jeffrey and uh, Malik Jackson had their contracts restructured in a way that's going to allow them to June 1st cut them. Uh, and a lot of money from that cut is going to get dumped into 2022. So you're just, they're, they're going to have like the lowest amount of cap space in that year once that happens. And then you have the Wentz contract and so on and so forth. They're going to, as we mentioned earlier, they're going to have to restructure guys like Brandon Graham, maybe Darius Slay, maybe a couple, a couple others. That money's going to get dumped into 2022. So the idea that their cap woes are going to be over after 2021 is total nonsense. And then I'll let you guys get to this one. But my favorite quote of the press conference was the Nate Sudfeld unstoppable <laughs> quote. Oh, man. He throws the best deep ball on the roster is what he said. He literally said that. <laughs> yes. 19 of 23, four. He said that was record-breaking. What yeah, record did like, he break on that? Was it consecutive completions or something? Or? I think it was completion percentage. Completion yeah, percentage. for like first-time starting quarterback, I guess. I almost had an aneurysm listening to that. It was crazy. <laughs> I just like, I, I mean, you know, he came in prepared with that. Like, you, yeah, you know, yeah, like he knew he was going to get asked about. Yes, yeah. and he, like, they lost that game six nothing. Yeah, it didn't matter. It <laughs> <laughs> like literally didn't matter. And he was, I think, my only enduring image of that is him throwing like a really bad pick or something. I don't know if he did. Maybe he didn't. But I don't even know if I watched that game. But like, you know, it's he just. He was fine. Well, he was he wasn't bad in that game. He didn't embarrass himself in any way. But it was there was certainly he nothing. Scored zero about. points. They scored zero <laughs> yeah. points. I mean, think he threw for like hundred thirty, either hundred thirty something or hundred forty something yards. It was definitely under one fifty on those twenty three pass attempts. <laughs> but unstoppable. And I think he, as soon as he said unstoppable, I think like you kind of like he made a face like oh that was that was a dumb that was a dumb word to use. <laughs> but yeah, all right. And then finally, uh, uh, he was asked, uh, what makes the Eagles an attractive destination for a prospective head coach? And one of the first things he mentioned <laughs> was the facilities. Like it's 2001. Yeah. But like, they, it's funny because they have like that practice bubble that like Chip Kelly famously complained about repeatedly. It's a 60 yard practice field. So anytime it rains, and especially during training camp, like during the season, if you have, you know, 53 man roster and I guess it used to be uh, 10, either 10 or 12 practice squad players. Now the practice squad is even, is even bigger. It's hard fitting. It's hard enough filling those guys in there. But when you have a 90 man training camp roster, 
and they have to go in that bubble. Like it's almost impossible to hold a practice in there. Uh, you know, whereas other teams across the league typically have like a hundred and twenty yard field. Also, like who talks? It's not college football. Like facilities. Come on, <laughs> every pro team. These are billion dollar organizations. They all have amazing practice facilities. Yeah, you know, you're not like the SEC over in the ACC or something. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. It's not like uh, like uh, Oregon has great facilities. Uh, or you want to go to Oregon or you want to go to like Kent state, you know, like, right. you know, it's crazy. You're right. Like no every professional, every professional team should have amazing facilities. Yeah. Just, I don't know. So not a very encouraging press conference is the takeaway from the Eagles owner. Uh, but pivoting from that to the coaching search after the break first, Jimmy. Yeah. Me. I should have had, uh, I should have oh, had yeah. Eagle prepared for Dan's, uh, special, uh, guest appearance. But, something up on the spot. Uh, I don't have one. Uh, but if you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house, call Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. Actually, normally, this time of year is a really a downtime in the market, but she's been pretty busy uh, over the last month. So the market is doing well, If especially if like you're trying to sell a house, your, your house is going to sell for well above market value. It's a very big time seller's market at the moment. If you're buying, eh, maybe not so much, but if you're looking to sell a house for sure, Kristen Roach, 856-906-9295. Brandon, you got your finger up? Or email? Because some people don't like the phone call. Oh, yeah. they don't like, they don't well, you can text her at that too. Okay. Yeah, uh, but, her, only, but her email also personal communication here. Kristen with eyes. There's no e's in there. K r i s t i n l Roach at gmail.com. Wow. Brandon, giving it all away. Dan. Dan. After this. After this. Back after this. Back after yes. this. Back after. <laughs> I'll get it. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here on BGN Radio episode 164 for our final segment. Talking about the coaches that the Eagles might hire. Jimmy came up with a system here. Yes, please. Meh. Or G-T-F-O-H. If you guys want to take the H off, I know some people just like G-T-F-O. That's fine. I, I like the yeah. H. I, I, I like that. Because then you can do like out of here instead of just out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So 
You have nine here, Jimmy. Yeah. I want to add a tap in here. I want to add Brian Diebel in here too, because that's also. Well, did, are they are they linked to him? John Clark did say they're interested in him, okay. and they're the same agent as Howie Roseman. So why don't we just start off there? We'll start off with Brian Diebel. Um, they're otherwise yeah. in alphabetical order, so my I'm, I'm my OCD obligates me to mention that we're going out of order. So we'll go well, Brian Diebel first, and then we'll go back to Todd Bowles and in alphabetical order. Yeah, yep, that's what we're going to do. So Brian Diebel's your guy. Why don't you start off with him? Well, I don't think he's my guy. I think in terms of realistic hires, I think he is among the most because he is the same, he is the same agent as Howie Roseman. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at the Eagles, uh, the attractiveness of their head coaching vacancy, I don't think it ranks up towards the top. And I think having a relationship could end up being very important in making this hire. And I think having that connection with Dable uh, makes sense. I think you can, if you're the Eagles, you can sell yourself on how you know Josh Allen improved and you could think, okay, this is the guy um, who might be able to get Carson Wentz right. Now, I will say that Dable uh, has some ties to the Chargers. He actually went to the same high school as Tom Telesco, who's also another Bob Lamont guy. So the, and the Chargers obviously have a much better situation with a much more encouraging quarterback. Um, so the Eagles might lose out on him. But I think he might be one of the two most realistic candidates. Um, personally, I would give him a shot, sure. But I think he's also very realistic. What about you guys? And the other thing I'll add, too, to what you said is uh, he's on a, he coaches for a team that's still alive in the playoffs and is in my opinion, the second best team in the NFL. So the longer they stay alive, the more teams might get scared off by uh, waiting around for him and getting somebody else that they also might like. Whereas the Eagles got sort of a slow start on their coaching search, of course. Um, And I think they're also willing to kind of wait it out. Whereas other teams might not be so willing. And if you listen so, yes. to someone like Joe Banner, he thinks that they already have their guy in mind, and they're you know they're going to hire him. It's, it's like a fait accompli or something. So, so are you a yes? Please, I'm a yes, man. please. I like I like Brian Dable and what he did with um, uh, Josh Allen and that Bills offense. Um, and yeah, I, I I think he's a he's a good coach and a good candidate. So I'm a yes, please on on him. Dan, I'm also a yes, please. I think I, I really like his pedigree. Um, you know, before he, he's coached with Bill Belichick on the Pats. Nick Saban in Alabama, and uh, you know he's turned Josh Allen, who was thought of as a joke of a first round pick, yes. to like an MVP. He looks like what Carson <laughs> Wentz should look like, or what he looked like in 2017. And that that offense is legitimately exciting, creative. I mean, that thing is a juggernaut. They look a lot like your 2017 Eagles, and um, and yeah, I, I really like you know how he's the way he's worked himself up, the guys he's coached under, and what he's doing right now. Um, you know, and he he basically had you know it's not like he's it's not like Sean McDermott's an offensive coach who's putting his input in there. I mean, that's that's Brian Dable's offense. Yes. Uh, we'll move to because we had to we had to we had to speed through these a little bit because <laughs> yes. we could be here all night. But um, Todd Bowles, all right, that's the number one on the list. But I went alphabetical order. So Todd Bowles, I'm a I'm a GTFO <laughs> on this one just because I think Todd Bowles is a really good defensive coordinator, and I know I think the Jets situation wasn't all his fault, but. No, that's not the move for me. Yeah, like uh, their uh, their defense was legitimately great this year, and he actually kind of has like the same style as Jim Schwartz in that he wants to stop the run first. They're first actually in uh, yard uh, rushing attempts, rushing yards, rushing yards per carry, and rushing TDs first in all four of those categories this year defensively. So he's doing a great job as a defensive coordinator, but yeah, as a head coach, he got a chance. Uh, with the Jets actually lasted four years there, went ten and six the first year, 
And then they won, I think it was like 14 games over the next three years, and he got fired. Their roster stunk. They didn't have quarterbacks, so not totally on him. But uh, if there's a, I, I'm, I am sort of against the idea of just a retread in general. And I, I'd love to have Todd Bowles if I'm the Eagles for my defensive coordinator. But uh, as a head coach, I think there are better options. So I'm GTFOH too. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to surprise you guys on this one. Okay. I think I'm more wow. the yes, please. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. I, I, uh, I kind of lean to, I think he's actually a pretty good candidate as a second go around type. Um, he's highly respected around the league. You know, he is in the building with the Eagles. The position he was in here was pretty impossible. And, uh, you know, that first year with the Jets, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick. They won 10 and 6. And they're like, you know, we all know that coaching the Jets is an impossible situation. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I like the way his D, he's been really good down in Tampa. And maybe, you know, it seems like he's a good, you know, he has really good uh, credentials as like a leader of men, well-respected. Um, I think, you know, I, people aren't going to be excited by him. Um, they'll have their opinion that you guys do. But strangely enough, like when his name comes up, I'm kind of like, you know what? Okay. I'm not like, it, it's not like this this gut visceral, like F no, never kind of thing. I think that he could in the right situation with the right supporting staff around him. I, I think he could, he could be that second go around co- like that coach who has success on a second try. Um, so that's, that's mine. I don't, it's not like some yes, please. I want him to be hired, but it's certainly not a GTFO and it's more than a, a meh for me on top. You, you want to lead off with Joe Brady? Sure. Um, Obviously, listen, it's great. I think he's younger than me, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> I, I will be 33 on uh, Brandon Graham's birthday. We share the he same is younger than you. He's 31. 31, which is nuts. Um, yeah, he's had one. So, you know, I know his rise has been meteoric, that LSU's offense was record setting with tons of pros. And, you know, he had his one year here, but it's just too much too soon for me. I you know, the young, sexy coach, I really – I don't think that's the way to go right here for this team. I, I think it's too volatile. I don't know what kind of staff he'd put together. Um, you know, I, it's – no offense to him. I just – I don't think it's the right move. I don't think – you know, I, I'm a firm GTFO on, uh, on Joe Brady. Okay. Brandon? I mean, yes. I think it is about – I think it is risky, but I think they're in a position where it might be better to take a chance on him early than it is to potentially miss out on him. And uh, I'm also in a spot where if things do blow up, I wouldn't – that's okay. I think that's good for the organization kind of in a way um, to, to take the swing and miss. Um, I really like what Brady did at LSU. I think it's it's really – it's crazy how much they improved. They're really just like this like mm-hmm. really super average college offense. and they were like elite and like incredible. And you look at Justin Jefferson and uh, Jamar Chase, you know, he was the wide receivers coach in addition to being the passing game coordinator. And those guys are superstars. So I think there's, there's stuff to like there. It's the same age that Sean McVay was hired by the way, uh, when he did get hired as a head coaching job. So it's not, you know, totally unprecedented here. And you're also seeing like a young guy like Brandon Staley uh, have success in the league. So uh, it's a young man's game. Give the guy a chance. I'm a yes. Yeah. So the thing that's appealing to me about him is just um, the direction of the, the, would indicate the franchise is going and if they hire him because, you know, Lori did talk about the long-term aspect uh, and not just applied to the roster and, and is also applied to the coaching staff. And if you hire a guy like him, you're sort of expecting him to grow into the role if he's that young. Um, it also maybe indicates that, like, I wonder how many uh, of the veterans, like 
like guys that are like older than him, like on the team. And there are a lot of them, obviously, on this team. It's one of the oldest rosters in the NFL. You know, how much respect are the are the are guys like that going to give a, a guy who's younger than them, who's coaching them, and trying to discipline them and whatnot? So if they were to hire him, it would sort of signal a, a changing over in terms of getting rid of uh, the the guys that helped you win the Super Bowl. It's over. That run is done. Like you're not winning with that core anymore. So I think it would signal a changing over, moving from an older roster to a younger one. And it's a whole like leader of men type of thing too. I mean, he's been in the league one year. Sean McVay had at least been in the league, you know, eight, nine years as a coach with a track record and a lot of respect from players. Um, so he was on the Saints for two years, for what it's worth. Oh, right. Is he the assist. quarterback or like a quality oh, assistant? I think Lombardi was quarterback. Okay. Yeah. Uh, All right. I don't think they- Sorry, go ahead. Ryan Day, uh, I, I don't think they can get him. I don't think he's a realistic candidate. I just think there's other – he's getting like interviews everywhere. I don't see why this would be the job. Why would he um, Ryan Day, yeah. Uh, Bruce Feldman, by the way, downplayed that report. He said he heard that it's not true, uh, although John Clark put it out there that the Eagles are interested in Ryan Day. It doesn't make sense logically. Like Ryan Day <laughs> – he, he was, he was here, ship. by the way, in the chip years. He, he, well, he was tight with him. <laughs> like, yeah, they yeah. go back like – ways so this guy's gonna come work for howie roseman having all the power <laughs> right like, and leave ohio state when he's like there's no really reason for him to leave ohio state yes. no yeah all right we, have to we, we, we can move yeah. on from ryan day i think i agree mike kafka chiefs oh. quarterback coach oh brandon your boy <laughs> my boy uh yeah kafka to me is actually i'm gonna say a meh actually i'm gonna upgrade him to a meh just because i mean the optics are insane right you like former Eagles quarterback who wasn't very good, who became like rose to prominence somewhat with the Chiefs, and now you're going to hire him to replace that guy, like Doug Peterson was. Like it, it's just it's such a weird optic move. Um, I feel like the interest in Kafka, which came out by the way, like first thing from rap sheet after Doug was hired. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, like, because they wanted to hire him. At least there was interest reportedly that they wanted to hire him as their offensive coordinator. I almost think it's more realistic that they would hire Kafka as a play calling offensive coordinator for either mm-hmm. a defensive coach right. or Deuce, which I also think could happen. Dan? Uh, I mean, like, yeah, the optics are bad too. I think that they almost had, I, I know Jeffrey Lurie's chasing his next Andy Reid and he had one for a very short period of time with Doug, Doug Peterson, but I really think that they need to, almost divorce themselves from this Andy Reid tree. And, you know, not that it's a bad thing, but, you know, not, not that Andy doesn't turn out good coaches, but I mean, it's, it's been eight years now. Like I think they kind of have to try to forge their own path and like Coffin could be a good coach, but you know, he's another one who's young one. How old is he? 33, 34. Um, and you'd be skipping over. Yeah, he's young. Yeah. I mean, he, I think he was drafted in 2009, 2010, something like that. Yeah. That sounds Um, about right. Yeah. So you need to be skipping over the enemy for it. I, I just, again, another one who doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence or, or, or excitement for me for myriad reasons, whether they're fair or not. But, um, but yeah, hard pass GTFO H as we would say. I'm, I'm a hard no on any, on anyone from any, the Andy Reid tree. Just give me, give me something new. <laughs> like, <I don't, laughs> we won the Super Bowl with an Andy Reid guy. Let's, I don't let's care. I, I don't I want something Move new. Move on from, you know, try something <laughs> else here. So. I want to, Point out that they actually haven't been connected to be enemy as far as uh, yeah. reporting this say january 13th at like 8 50 like 
that hasn't come up anywhere. I mean, it's like a logical one that people throw out there, but yeah. it hasn't. No one's actually said that like they're interested in him. I just thought that was interesting to note. Um, Gerard Mayo, though, the Eagles are interviewing him, uh, and that's kind of out of left field because this guy became their the, the Patriots' inside linebackers coach just in 2019. So he's just two years on the job, and obviously that role kind of has more responsibility than a typical linebackers coach because the Patriots don't have a defensive coordinator. Um, but uh, and also, I think Mike. Garofalo put out a good note, or Garofalo, as Jimmy wants me to say, that uh, Jed Fish, who was college roommates with Howie Roseman, you know, I think was with the Patriots this year, and I guess he kind of put Gerard Mayo on Howie's radar. Uh, I, I think there's no way they hire him as head coach, so I have to be like a GTFO. Like, how could they do that? I think they're interviewing him under the guise of a potential like future, or maybe as soon as now, like defensive coordinator hire. He's uh like as you mentioned the the Patriots don't have a defensive coordinator. He and uh Steve so he's the inside linebackers coach. Steve Belichick is their outside linebackers coach. But those two guys are sort of the top assistants under Bill Belichick. So he's kind of like a quasi defensive coordinator as it is. Uh very young. He was drafted in I think 2008. He was like the 10th overall pick. Went to a couple pro bowls. He was an all-pro one year. Uh was really thought of as like the leader of their defense. I'm kind of like, I'm not GTFOH on him. I'm not like, yes, please on him. Cause it's just, he's been a coach for two years. Like if that's too big a jump to yeah. only coach two years and become a head coach, like he needs a little bit more seasoning, I think. But, um, I would say, um, I like him more than some of the other guys on this list. Uh, so he's kind of like a meh for me. Yeah. I would say, um, I mean, I guess I just like had a follow principle with me and say GTFO cause any guy who's only been in the league a couple years, I mean, listen, he's a great player, all-time Patriot, you know, and obviously he's got to have some, you know, level of respect from from Belichick. But again, a guy who's been in the league two years removed from playing, like it's, you know, I guess it's like a Brian Floresy type of right yeah. type of look, but pass. <laughs> Same like, situation there, by the way, too, yeah, where he was yeah. he was a linebacker coach, like he didn't have the defensive coordinator title either, but sort of was that for them. And he's had he's had some success. So I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, but he's had some success in Miami so far, and success on a team that is rebuilding. Yes, like going to longer model, so relevant. Um, uh, Lincoln Riley is not a realistic name to me, but uh, he's obviously. I think he's a yes for all of us. Yeah, I yeah. Oh, for sure. You yeah, get him out of Norman, but you can't. So I, I don't even think it's worth talking about and as it, a realistic. Thing. Well, I think it's already been shot down by Damo too. Like today, I think he was also saying, but like also. As you know, as great an offensive mind as he is, I mean, no offense, he's lost two games a year at Oklahoma, zero and three in the bowls, or you know, in the college football playoffs. Like, forgive me if I don't get overly excited too about this, and you know, whether it's fair or not, um, he just to me would be a guy like I would want to see him in a offensive coordinator role with a defensive head coach first, which obviously he'll never accept, nor should he right. leave Oklahoma. Um, but I, I guess I'm not as giddy or gung-ho about him as a head coach as everybody else um yeah a lot of whether it's chip vibes or not just i don't know the whole thing similar record as chip so far as what chip had when chip came to the eagles like he's only lost he's lost he's lost he's lost two games each of his four years and he uh, he hasn't been the big boys in uh in the college football playoff you know And, and he's had three first or no i guess i guess baker was the year before him but he's had you know kyler murray Jalen Hurts. Oh, sure. uh, he had Baker. He had Baker. So he had got, Baker. Uh, yeah, Baker, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, and then uh, Rattler this year. Rattler this year. So, like, 
you know, yeah. meh. Next. <laughs> but the uh, but like he also developed those guys too. Yeah. So you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can you can say like he had those players and they didn't win enough, but yeah. he also made those guys. In in theory, he helped make those guys what they are. Yeah, that's true too. I'd also just wonder about the power <laughs> dynamic. Like, oh, this guy has got a great relationship with Howie Roseman. Like, yeah, until they have to work together to pick players and build a team and have control, all this. So, like, you know. Well, yeah. You know, but the facilities, Dan. Uh, that's right. They got to be better than Oklahoma, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> probably not. Yeah, Roseman is probably not. Um, all right. So, Robert, that- Roberts. Uh, how do you say his last name anyway? Sale. Sale. Okay. Sala. Okay. I'm uh, a yes, please, on him, by the way. Well, who the Eagles are reportedly interviewing tonight as we're recording oh, this in okay. South Florida. I did not know uh, that. Yeah, he hightailed well, it out he, of New York after his second interview. He, yeah. he is known, of course, for his demonstrative uh, actions on the sideline. He's, he's very animated. Seems like his players enjoy playing for him. They feed off of his energy. Uh, the 49ers obviously had a phenomenal defense in 2019 that uh, carried them to the Super Bowl, which they lost, of course. Um, you okay, buddy? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, they had a great defense, carried them to the Super Bowl. Ton of injuries in 2020. Still got his players playing extremely hard for him uh, throughout the season. Uh, they they made do with, with what they had. Uh, despite really a horrible offense and a, I mean, we all saw what Nick Mullins looked like against the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles, if you if you lose to the Eagles, then as a, as a result of your offense, then you know it, it, it's pretty hard to overcome. I think the Niners went what like six and ten this year, but uh, I think the job that he did defensively was really impressive. So uh, as, as far as a guy that gets his players to play for him, uh, commands the respect of his players. And uh, sort of can own the, the the room and can own the locker room, and uh, he's he's a guy for me that I, that I think makes a lot of sense. Of course, you'd have to pair him with uh, uh, an offensive coordinator, and the general thinking is I forget the guy's name, but uh, that he bring he bring over one of his assistants that Maybe would uh, Matt Lafleur's brother. Mike okay, that would uh, in theory install some version of the Kyle Shanahan offense. Yeah, just like Rich Gangarella did. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, I am a uh, somewhere between a man and a yes, please on Robert Saleh. Uh, as far as like having a dude who could kick anybody's ass, like that, <laughs> yeah. that's feeling too, uh, because we would have, you know, top two would be him and Brian Flores, I guess, as far as like, you know, who you'd want in a street fight. Um, but yeah, I, I think, again, you get that leader of men vibe from him. Um you know, that team was decimated by injuries and the offense was terrible and that defense played really hard. And, uh, you know, he's an animated guy. I, you know, I wouldn't be upset with hiring him, especially because we know that he would be bringing, you know, an, an offensive coordinator with him who's highly regarded, whose brother's a head coach. Um, so, so yeah, I'd be fine with that. Um, I'd be fine with Robert Sala. All right. We just got two more. Oh, I'm sorry, Brandon. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a yes. Uh, and it's weird because I feel like I'm typically not defensive head coach kind of guy because we all know the concern of I don't know if you touched on this while it's gone, but the concern of like you hire a, uh, you know, a defensive head coach, and then you have the offensive guy, but then he gets hired away if he succeeds to be a head coach. So um, I almost wonder if you can kind of stymie that by like bringing in an offensive guy, um, play caller who you kind of make immediately the assistant head coach and you just pay him a lot and try to keep him here. I don't know if that works, but uh, I like Salah. 
I like his energy. I mean, that's that's such a Philly like that's <laughs> yeah. Philly fans will love, right? Him yes, just getting yes. back, like that's like especially like, God willing that fans are allowed back in the stands in the future to see that. I mean, like people would love. He will get immediate support for sure. Yeah, um, but that's not just why I like him. I just think you look at his his track record. He's worked his way up. Uh, there's a lot of. I think the downside, the one of the biggest downsides you look at him is how the the 49ers defenses were bad early on in his tenure. But they ranked bottom five in spending those years. Like they weren't built to be a good defense, and it took time because they were in a really bad spot. That roster was was trash. Like when when Chip had it, you know, and then Shanahan came in, like uh, they had a lot of work to do in terms of building that thing. And you know, as they got the right pieces in there, it, it's you know been a really good defense. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a yes on Salah, surprisingly. All right, as long as your uh, internet's still working there, why don't you keep it going with Arthur Smith? Uh, Arthur Smith. Sounds I like they're getting hired off. by the Falcons, by the way. But go ahead. Yeah. Um. I I don't think the Eagles can hire him because I think he he's like interviewing basically everywhere, and I don't see why we'd pick here. Right. But uh, I, I mean, yes, too. I think it's really interesting how he survived through like four. He's on his fourth, <laughs> yes. fourth team now. He came on with Mike Munchak. Uh, he, he survived Ken Wisenhunt. He survived Mike Malarkey, and now he's here with Vrabel, and he's worked his way up. Um. I, I just think that's a real interesting path, and. I guess you can talk about how, you know, like it's weird because of the Derrick Henry factor. I mean, he, he revived Ryan Tannehill's career. Sure, and that's, yes. that's kind of big. And I also think that the Henry thing is like, he's going to have, like, that, that. I think that could be a credit in his favor. Like, he's building around Derrick Henry this piece he has. I don't think that necessarily, like, means he needs to have Derrick Henry to succeed. Yeah, he's building. Yeah, I mean, he's formulating his offense around who is clearly his best player. But they're like, I mean, you just look at the results alone. They're what? They're either second in points and fourth in yards, or fourth in points and second in yards. I think they're second in points and fourth in yards. But like, I mean, those are just those are the results that you pretty much can't ignore. And you mentioned the the you know the main thing is that uh, he's taken Ryan Tannehill and turned him from basically a guy that was looking like he was going to become a career backup. Uh, for the rest of his tenure in the NFL. And he's like a legitimately good starter. Like he's like borderline top 10 starter in the NFL now. So uh, props to Arthur Smith for getting the best out of him. And uh, like I always kind of thought of Tennessee of like, as like a team with a good defense. Yeah, uh, but they, they, were they, were sort of, they were the opposite of that. Like their offense was awesome and their defense sucked. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, he'd be a yes for, for me for sure. Tannehill's like a, Played like a top five quarterback, you know, not just for people like me who had him in fantasy uh, the last two years, but like, you know, just like watching him too. He could do it all running, throw, I mean, passing, running. Um, yeah, uh, I would go somewhere between a man and yes on Arthur Smith. Um, but again, I, you know, I wonder too about like the level of talent on offense and uh, like just how good it was. But you can't, can't knock the scheme, the fact that he was thought so highly of that four coaches kept him. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I'd be all right with that. Um, but he doesn't, I don't know, doesn't excite me as much, I guess maybe, or it's like, you know, you just wait for like the gut feel of like a guy and you're like, that's my dude. And, uh, I never really thought that way about him, but, um, I just don't really. Generic, super generic name, by the way. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. Arthur also, yeah, he's, he's a, a FedEx man, you know, he's, uh, you know, what is it? Grandfather or his father? Who's father, father, father. Yeah. There's a story about him where like. Uh, one of his head coaches along the line, um, I want to say it was Malarkey. Like he had worked with him for years and he 
found out somewhere along the line that he was his father. His father was the CEO of FedEx, and like Arthur Smith just never happened to mention that to anybody. Awesome. So he never like used that to further his career or anything like that. So yeah, all right, well, knowing that, I'm now a, now a yes please on Arthur Smith. <laughs> all right, you started off with Deuce. And that's our final one. Me? Yes. Okay, I guess because I tweeted it. Uh, oh, I didn't uh, see that, but no, <laughs> yes, I, uh, I thought it was part of your research. Now, nah, poor Deuce, man, he's been here what eleven years, 10, 11 years, two thousand ten, um, and he just it almost feels like a, almost like a Jason Kelsey kind of thing. Like he's like this pillar in the organization who takes the bullets for everybody, and they keep trotting him out, and like you know. He's gotten the endorsements from former players. I think, again, I get the sense from him that he'd be a leader of men and he'd be well-respected and he'd be, you know, you'd be able to put, you know, you'd be able to have your Frank Reich and your Jim Schwartz next to him. Um, does it inspire a lot of confidence because they passed him over five years ago and nobody else has wanted to hire him away for a high, more higher profile job? Yeah. And it would seem like he's the kind of guy they would settle on after everybody else rejects them. But, you know. I wouldn't be a complete GTFOH on Deuce because I'm almost just like F it at this point. Let's see what he's got. And if it doesn't work out, he'll be out of here in X number of years anyway. And we're back in the same position with this train wreck. So, Brent? I think Deuce and Debo are the most likely hires for this team. And Dan hit the nail on the head in terms of I just think like they're going to almost have to hire him. And I don't think that's fair to Deuce. I'm not trying right, to say yeah. like he should only be hired because he's just here and they're going to have to. Like, I think he deserves a head coaching job. I really do. I think when you look, at Deuce and his personality, just seeing him in interviews, like he has a head coach temperament. And I just, I, I look at that guy and I'm like, wow, because we, because we interview him, you know, uh, during the off season and especially, you know, he was running the team for a little bit this year. And I think that's so interesting yeah. for the Eagles to have that unique insight to how he was like, he was running the show. Right. When Doug had COVID. Yeah. Doug had COVID and was away. So I think that's such a unique perspective to have. And yeah, you saw player like, unprompted players immediately like you know malcolm jenkins who isn't even on the eagles by the way <laughs> right wrote, like this whole love letter about him tory smith stood up for him um rodney mcleod stood up for him brian dawkins the goat stood up for him like that's and obviously you know former team these, defense, still, these are defensive players too they're not even like guys who are you know on right. the offense I think it's meaningful, and I think it's it's look, it's another guy that like the Eagles would really have control over in terms of like you know doing what they want to do, and and I just think it's realistic. I think it's about hiring a strong staff around him. Like I think you're, I think you're promoting Deuce to head coach, but he's overseeing everything. Yes. He's not the play caller all of a sudden. I think you're bringing in like a Graham Harrell or a Mike Kafka still, and and then obviously hiring you know a strong defensive coach as well. So I'm a yes on Deuce. Uh, I've been reluctant about like Deuce to off the coordinator before because I just don't know, you know, the play calling. Like he hasn't done it before. I don't know about that side. But as a like a leader of men, overseer kind of person, I'm a yes. Yeah, I'm somewhere between yes and meh on do on Deuce uh, on do on Deuce. Uh, <laughs> but as you mentioned, like you gotta you gotta surround him with a, a play calling uh, offensive coordinator, and you're also gonna you know that that job becomes appealing too to an offensive coordinator that can come in and kind of run his offense. And uh, same thing with a defensive coordinator as well. Uh, famously, I guess other coaches around the league you'd think of like uh, like a Mike Tomlin who is sort of in that role. Uh, with the Steelers where he can just kind of be the quote unquote CEO of the team, sort of run the team and, and control the locker room and so on and so forth. So I think Deuce uh, has proven, you know, as you mentioned with all these uh, big name players who respect him and think that he deserves the opportunity is, is enough for me to, to kind of believe the same. 
I think he runs a tight ship too, from what I've heard. So That's uh, I think that yeah. would be good. Like I, I don't want to say that um like Doug's strength in part players really liked yes. him too and they corrected him and he kinda let players like do like he didn't have to overmanage them. Like he wasn't a, a total hard butt. Uh you know, hard butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't want to curse here. But um I think that like in the case of Carson Wentz, like a player like that could use some more tough love. So maybe there could be a little bit more tough love here. And I think maybe Deuce could help instill that. But um but that's all we got. We're running long here. Uh, well, any final thoughts? Yeah, final thought is, do each one of you have like a dark horse coaching candidate who hasn't been brought up that you think, I mean, I know Luke Fickle's name's been thrown out there, but is there anybody who you guys see around the league that you're like, that guy might be interesting if you had to do one wild card, one like this is my guy kind of thing? Uh, Zoidberg had a good joke about Fickle where he said, um, uh, like a headline would be like, Fickle franchise hires Fickle. <laughs> but, summer win. <laughs> I don't have a, a dark horse. I don't think. Um, I don't. Brandon, you? Um, I'm looking at the list here of the odds. Um, man, I want. I would like Jim Caldwell as like an offensive coordinator, maybe, but now I don't know as a head coach. Um, I'm looking at the list here of all the odds to maybe a Brandon Staley. Um, I kind of figured that's kind of a first name by. I, f- I figured. Yeah. I figured he would get some run. Mine is uh, Byron Leftwich, actually. Um, okay. Interested. 40, you know, he's in that range. I think he's 40, 41, former player quarterback kind of thing, too, if you're looking for. And, you know, I know he's got Tom Brady this year, but that offense last year, even though, like, Jameis was a disaster, that offense was pretty explosive last year. He seems to be super well-respected. Um, and, like, you know, Tom, it seems like he and Tom have gotten along and that Tom respects him, too. So um, Byron Leftwich is kind of like the one who's kind of, Stuck out to me a little bit as someone who I at least think should get a um, an interview. Out of left field, you could say. Uh, any any other final thoughts? We're all good here. Yeah, it's been too long already, right? You know, no, I'm just, <laughs> no. I appreciate you guys uh, letting me come on. Uh, you know, I still owe Brendan my once a year article. I was thinking of um, I was thinking of taking up uh, Jeffrey Laurie on his word and uh, researching every team's draft record and seeing who are the Eagles stack up. Um, but uh, oh. <laughs> Whoa! Wow, uh, that's graphic. I swear yeah. to God, I did not do this. No, I thought you were—I thought you were holding the cat. What's the cat's name? No, it's Lily. Lily. There's like an OnlyFans in here for a second. I really appreciate you guys letting me on. It's been awesome listening to the podcast and hearing, you know, about BGN Radio being sponsored by Ricky Felon and. Pretty crazy. I was thinking about it. I guess we've all known each other, what, like nine, eight, nine years <laughs> now, too? So, yeah, going uh, on 10. Going on 10. Uh, I look forward to uh, sponsoring the podcast again next year, and uh, hopefully the Eagles can be good and people will want to like buy more beef jerky or other stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's it for me. And, uh, you know, I accept your offer to come back on the podcast anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Jimmy, what about you? You're good. I'm good. Yes. All right, this has been BGN Radio, episode 164. Follow me on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy, Kemps- uh, follow Jimmy Kempsky on Twitter, at Jimmy Kempsky. Dan, do you want me to give out your Twitter or no? Yeah, it's at Snacks Only. That's Snacks with an X. Don't follow me. No, I'm just kidding. You can follow, follow Dan. Uh, go to RightToSelling.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. We'll have plenty more Eagles coverage coming your way, especially if they make a hire. And if not, we'll, we'll be here. Emergency pod, so subscribe. 
don't miss an episode and we will talk to you next time goodbye everybody thanks for everything P-G-N. the current podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as hilton instacart moderna major league soccer and more And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.